Well, good morning. We're glad you're here and you found us. Our first day here at the rec center. This is kind of nice place, actually. Don't get used to it. Well, we're only allowed to be here for a short time, apparently. But who knows? Things can always change. But hey, we have air conditioning, you know. That's, that's a nice thing. The kids have a place to be. So we're, we're very grateful to be here. And it, we were kind of surprised we came here. And we weren't sure what to expect and how it would turn out. Alex and I looked at each other and were like, hey, it worked. <laughs> you know? I suppose I shouldn't tell you that. I should make you think that we have it together. But we were surprised. Um, if you have your Bibles, open it to Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 7 through 12. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will get one to you. And you can catch up with us. Acts 20, starting at verse 7. It says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Just want you to let that sink in. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I feel much better right now. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him, Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke bread, and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. I love this story because we can all relate to it. In so many ways, I think we've all been into that place where we've been fighting, trying to stay awake. Not here, of course, you know, because this is... But some other places where the message isn't so riveting. Um, you, you know, you've been there and you're, you're doing the whiplash thing. Your head is like, oh, what can I do? And you're doing all that you can to stay awake. You're trying to keep your eyes open. It's like, okay, as long as my eyes are open, I'll be okay. And then the next thing you know, they're cross-eyed, you know, and they're half-masked. And you're just going, falling asleep quickly. And you're just doing all you can to try and hang on to consciousness. My poor wife, when we were had the children and the growing up, she was just so busy taking care of the kids. Whenever she would sit down and just stop moving, her body would say, it's time to sleep. You know, so she just, we'd sit down to watch a movie. I mean, it doesn't matter what movie. We're watching, you know, the end of the world, you know, and THX sound, you know, it's shaking. We sit down and her body goes, good night. And she'd just comb, you know, it didn't matter. Her body would just, anyway, that was just to embarrass her. But we've all been there. We've all been to this place where we recognize just our physical limitations. And one of the interesting things to me about Scripture is that if this is God's conversation to humanity, 
God, the living God, the God who created heaven and earth, who is omnipotent, omniscient, who is omnipresent, who is beyond our ability to, to fully grasp, and he wants to communicate to us, and this is what he's given us. It's really not a lot. I mean, our Encyclopedia Britannica is more information than this. And so if you think about it, it's not a lot of words. And so the words that are here are probably very, very important. And what I like about this story is the reality of humanity. This poor guy, Eutychus, gets named. You know, wouldn't you just, did you have to name me? Couldn't you say there was a young man who fell out of the window and died? Why did you have to throw my name in there? You know, and Eutychus. You know, it'd be like someone calling you out, you know, saying, and, and Danny fell asleep and fell out of his chair that day, you know. It's like, why is that there? But that's there throughout the scripture. In fact, have you ever wondered why there's so many unusual and, and revealing scriptures that talk about things like this? There's a few stories that I love. There's, there's one in 2 Samuel in chapter 18 where Joab is fighting against David's son, Absalom. And after Absalom is killed, they're going to send word back to David. And so they send a Cushite to start running and give David this news. But then we have Ahimez, this guy who says, I want to go, I want to run. And Joab says, why do you want to go? You, you don't even know what's going on. You're not going to get anything for going and telling him, so why do you want to do it? And he goes, I want to go, I want to go. He goes, go. And so Ahimez is trucking it. And he's a good runner. And he beats the Cushite there. And so David's men are saying, hey, I see someone coming. It's a Himez. David says, he's a good man. He's a good man. So he comes up and he goes, what, what news do you have? What do you have? Well, you know, you're victorious and, and the things are going well. And he says, what about the young man Absalom? What's happened to him? And Ahimez says, uh... I don't know, um, but things are going well. That's what I do know. And there was some kind of talk there, whatever it was about, but I don't know what it was about. And David goes, okay, go to the side. And they go, there's another guy coming, the Cushite, who left first but got there last because he wasn't as fast as Ahimaaz. And he comes and he says, what news do you have about Absalom? And he said, may, may all my Lord's enemies be even as the young man Absalom. And then David broke down. And I wonder, why is that there? Poor Ahimez. He wanted to go so bad, but he got there and had nothing to say. And David just said, go to the side. Thank, thanks a lot. Now, now go. And what a fool. Run all that way and you have nothing to say. And once again, we see the scripture is real clear. And very genuine on what happens. I was talking Thursday night about, I would like to write a book, but probably won't because I'm not really a writer and it would take me 45 years and I don't have that left probably. But I'd like to, to write a book about the untold stories. 
And you know what those are. They're stories that we all have. The things that we don't talk about because we're embarrassed. You know, the, the family member who we, we don't talk about. The situations of your failings, my failings, our children's failings that we don't like to discuss. Because if we told everyone about it, it would be embarrassing to us. But those situations, most of the time, have been the marking situations in our lives, have been the monumental and foundational things that have directed our lives. There's usually only a few things that really change the course of a person's life, and usually those things that are very difficult, very private, very embarrassing are those places where our lives are changed. But we don't like to talk about them. And so many of them are crucial because we're not alone in this. But the scripture doesn't hesitate talking about them. We see in Genesis that Noah planted a vineyard, got drunk, and passed out naked. How would you like to talk about that? We see Abraham was afraid because his wife Sarah was beautiful and he says, say you're my sister. That way I don't get, you know, any harassment. And he actually let someone take Sarah to go and marry her and God put a stop to it. Nice going, Abraham. Way to stack up for your woman there, dude. I'm going to write a country song about you. And he does it twice. And there it is in Scripture. Got Samson and his problems with the Philistine women. Got David taking Bathsheba. First he's a peeping Tom on top of the roof, sees her bathing, then calls her in, sleeps with her, even though she's married to someone else, and then kills her husband. We see Solomon whose heart was turned away because of his many wives and therefore in God's because he was so concerned about the power and establishing his kingdom reaches outside so he's marrying these women from other provinces so that he could gain favor in those kingdom and turned his heart away from the Lord. We see Paul having to rebuke Peter. Oh, Peter, he's a good one. We see him denying the Lord. Then we see him being rebuked by Paul. We see so many stories like that. Why? Well, because like Noah, who had a problem with drinking apparently, at least at that instance, there's people who have problems with substance abuse. But we don't talk about it because that's embarrassing. But God says, hey, I, I know about this. And like Samson or David, there are people who have problems in, in areas of sexual, whether it's pornography or in living a loose life. But we don't talk about that because that's embarrassing. But God says, I know about this. who have struggles with power and compromising like Solomon. 
We don't talk about that, but God does. God knows the weaknesses, and he doesn't mind talking about them. But we do. We have a hard time. Because what will people think of me? I went to a concert years ago. It was Paul McCartney when he first came on tour, and he was doing a lot of the revamp of the Beatles songs. And a friend of mine worked at the Greek theater at the time. And so he is able to get cool tickets. He was able to get us, then it was at the Forum. We got to go through the Forum Club, and there was all these famous people in there, you know. It was like, ooh, look at, there's so-and-so, there's so oh. And I, here I am, you know. <laughs> no one knows me, but I know all these people. And there was a pastor who was very well known, who was also a friend. And if I were to mention his name, you'd probably say, oh, yeah, I know him. Well, we actually got to go into a limousine because he had connections with the limousine. So it was the coolest thing. We got in a limousine, went to the forum, went through the forum club, you know, saw Paul McCartney, had great seats. It was just a great time. But this pastor was very careful, worrying about who might see him. And sure enough, as we start getting out of the forum club, there is someone from his church waiting to take pictures of the stars who come out of the forum club. And he sees him, and he freaked out. He's like, hey, you know, this is my limousine, this guy, he, and he had, to, he had to make sure this guy knew that I don't do this kind of thing. I'm not. And he was so embarrassed just because he went to a concert and had a good time. And I remember thinking, this shouldn't be the case. It's not a big deal. It's not like he lives this lifestyle and travels to church in a limousine. You know, I'm okay, I'm at church now. Here I am at the rec center, out of my limousine, you know, walking. I mean, it wasn't that way, but he was so concerned with image because he could not just be a person. I don't know how many pastors I know who have gone to concerts that aren't, quote, Christian concerts, that they've gone to see The Temptations or, you know, whoever sticks, whatever band from their era, you know, came out. I mean, Freebird, whatever. I mean, they're just, they go to these concerts because they enjoy that music, but they will never tell people that they did that because what will they think of me? They will think less of me because what, you went to a concert? And you see what we're doing is putting up a facade, saying this is who I am, I'm very spiritual, don't look at the real me. Because the real me is just like the real you. And the real me sometimes falls asleep at church. And the real me likes to listen to this music. And the real me likes to fill in the blanks. We saw previously in Ephesus that as Paul went through Ephesus and the Spirit of God did some things that actually caused people to to fear him. As the spirit pounced on the seven sons of Sceva, and people said, well, something's going on here. God's at work. And they gave up their books of sorcery and all their things. And it says there that the people confessed 
their evil deeds. Danny and I were chatting on Facebook, I think it was, and we were talking about Sunday nights. Hey, what do you think about that? And we, were, we mentioned that people confessing their evil deeds. People are open and talking about what's really going on in their lives, and it's freeing, and it's refreshing, and people say, yeah, that's me too. Yeah, my third husband was a drug addict selling these things, and everyone goes, what, what? How'd that happen? Well, that's reality in my life. That's where I'm at. And someone says, I can identify with that. Yeah, me too. And then I was there and I couldn't identify with any of it, no. <laughs> we all do. We all have this connection with real life, but we like to put up a religious facade and we don't like to have embarrassing things. We like things to be nice and neat and clean and we want to have our image kept up and that's a natural thing, but real life is we all have these kinds of struggles, we all have these kinds of weaknesses, and I love that the scripture says, oh, I know about it. Look at these people. I mean, there are some stories in the scripture. You guys familiar with Judah and Tamara? Judah's son, his name was Ur. They couldn't remember his name. Ur. Uh, <laughs> It's a pretty crazy story. Tamar, that's his name, her name, not Tamar. I mean, Judah does not allow her to marry his other son when Ur dies. And so she plays the harlot and actually sleeps with Judah and takes his ring. And as she takes his signet ring and his, I think it was staff, and she becomes pregnant, and someone says, oh, Tamar is, is pregnant. And he gets righteously angry. She's played the harlot. We're going to have her put to death. And she says, well, whoever's ring this is, that's who's the father. And it's his. Yeah, busted. <laughs> and then he says, she is more righteous than I. Judah, this is... One of the patriarchs. Why are these stories in there? Well, Paul tells us that the scriptures and the things that are in there are there for our learning. They're there so that we can understand. In fact, let's turn there to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, starting at verse 1, it says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let me ask you, how can you help and bear the failings if you don't know what they are? How can you help someone who is weak if you don't know their weaknesses? Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past 
was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. You see, all these stories are written so that we could have hope. And when I read these things and I read, wow, these were real people, I have hope. Because God was able to work in someone like David who did the things that he did and still change him and still work with him. God is able to take someone who had a problem with drinking like Noah and still use him in a mighty way. God was able to take someone even like Samson and at the end of his life use him in a mighty way. God is able to take someone like me, like you, with our weaknesses and use us. And that's why Paul said in Corinthians, I will not boast except in my weaknesses. The Lord gave me this infirmity that I wouldn't be puffed up, this thorn in the flesh to buffet me. And I prayed, Lord, take it away, take it away. Three times he said, my grace is enough. It's sufficient for you. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I glory, I give glory to God in my weakness because he is strong. And that's really even the heart of what we're going to talk about Friday with the young adults. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poverty isn't pleasing in any way. But there's something here that opens us to the reality of God working with us. And, and you see, that's what's happening in this story in Acts 20. And go back there. As we have real life taking place, the lamps that were in the room, these oil lamps, it's probably in the Middle East. There's a lot of people there because Paul's talking, it's getting late. And Paul's dialoguing back and forth with them. And poor Eutychus, he's like, i got to get some air. I'm going to go sit by the window, whatever he says. But the heat starts building up. All the smoke from the oil starts coming out the window. And Eutychus just can't hang on. He, he's just zoning. He's falling. And then he leans over. Three floors down. Boom. Now, Paul could have said, that's what you get for falling asleep. Now on, we're going to be meeting on the upstairs. Okay. <laughs> Turn the air off. We're going to let it get hot here. You fall asleep, you might fall three stories. But instead of Paul coming down on him, what we see is Paul goes to him. And Paul goes down to him. It says, verse 10, went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Now, why did he do that? Why did he go down and throw himself on him? Well, there's a story in 2 Samuel, in 2 Kings, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 4, where Elisha has been taken care of by a Shumanite woman. She put him up in a room where there was a place for him to sleep, fed him, and took care of him, and then... Elisha goes to her and says, what can I do for you? You've been so good to me. And watch out for that bee there. <laughs> See, you will not fall asleep now. Uh, 
Don't make a mess. Doug, you're the, you're the man. You grab that bee and you... Anyway, okay. It's done. The bee is taken care of. Do I have your attention now? Don't make me send another one. Um, so Elijah goes to the Shumanite woman and said, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And she says, I'm barren. I'm old. My husband and I have not been able to have children. And he says, okay. She conceives, has a child. Years later, the child is, is older and is with his dad. And he yells out, my head, my head. And the father does what any father would do. He, he tells his servant, take him to his mom. And, and so he does, you know, because I don't know what to do with him. Mom will know what to do. So the kid goes to the mom, and the mom's consoling, but the child dies. And then she takes the child up to a room and does not prepare him for burial, but actually prepares for a miracle. And she says, I need to go get Elijah. And she goes to him, and she says, why has this happened? Why would you do this? I have a child, but now the child is dead. I need you to come back. And Elijah gives his servant Gehazi a staff, says, take the staff and go put it on the child. And so Gehazi goes, and the woman says, no, that's not enough. I don't want your staff. I want you. And she will not go until he comes with her. And he ple she pleads with him. And so finally he goes there. And Gehazi can't do anything. The staff doesn't do it. And finally Elijah comes up to the room. And it says that Elijah lays on the child, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. Again, strange picture. And he gets up and he walks around. And he comes back down and does it again eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. And it says that the child's body begins to get warm. And then it says that he sneezes seven times and then his eyes open. And then he sits up and he's returned to his mother. You see, she didn't want the staff. She wanted him. I need you to come and help out here. This is important. I don't need your doctrine. I don't need your teachings. What I need is your love. I need you to be here with me in this situation. And as Elijah goes there and presses against that child, he comes back to life. And no doubt Paul remembers that story and says, I need to do something, and goes and does the same thing. He puts himself on Eutychus, and Eutychus comes to life. He didn't come down on him. He went to him, embraced him, even though he had fallen, even though he had fallen asleep, even though it's an embarrassing thing. He didn't say, man, I'm going to write about this in my book. Boy, you're going to be embarrassed. It doesn't talk just about that. It ends with restoration, him coming back to life. God is wanting to reach out through us to people in their weaknesses, 
in their struggles, in their failings, in their fallings. And not to come down on them, but to come to them, to embrace them. Because what they need isn't the staff, isn't the instruction, isn't the rod of righteousness. What they need is an embrace. To say, I love you. I will come and I will be with you. That's what they need. That's what we need. When I have gone through times of my failings, I didn't need someone to tell me what I did wrong. I needed to know that someone still would be by my side, care for me, and love me through that time of weakness. That's what I needed. And Jesus put it this way. Jesus said in Matthew 9, while he was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I have come to call those who are sick. Well, I, I for one, can testify I'm sick, and I need help. I am weak, and I need God's strength. I am misguided many times and needs God's direction, and I need you. I need my brothers and sisters. A while back, I think I shared this, I was going through a situation where I was very upset with a situation. I was angry, and I felt it was righteous indignation. I had a right to be angry. And I wanted to move forward with my anger, and I wanted to state my case, and I wanted to make myself and my ways known. And I called Danny, and I sent him an email, and some other people say, what do you think? Do you think this is right, all the things that I said? And he, he came back and said, you know what? Why? Why do you need to do that? Why do you need to say those things? Can't we just move forward with what God's doing now? Why do we need to go back? And it made a lot of sense. But it was sense that I didn't have at the time because I was blinded. I was blinded by the situation in front of me, and that's all I saw. And a lot of us are blinded by things that are in front of us. And they might be anger. They might be substance abuse. It might be lust. It might be greed. I don't know what it is. God knows, and you know. But you need someone to come alongside you and, and say, hey, Come on, let's, let's go. Let's get past this. I'm not here to, to jump down your throat and push you. I'm here to come and embrace you. And we need that. When we've fallen, when we've <clears throat> faltered, we need someone to come alongside and help us. And how freeing would it be if we all knew that it was okay to do that. Wouldn't that be great? Isn't that one of the good things about family? 
See, the, the great thing about my wife, and there's a lot of great things, but I think the thing that means the most to me is she knows me better than anyone, and she still loves me. And she has for 25 years. In fact, Tuesday's our anniversary for 25 years. But, but that's the love that we need for each other. A love that sees our shortcomings and embraces us anyway and says, I love you. I'm not let go. That was stupid. Don't do that again, okay? Come on. If you do that again, you're going to fall out the window. If you do that again, you're going to be laying in your tent, drunk, passed out and naked. If you do that again, Nathan the prophet's going to have to deal with you. If you do that again, you're going to find yourself in the Philistine camp with your eyes plucked out in between two pillars. If you do that again, well, maybe not to that severe, but you see what I'm saying. There, there's consequences that we all reap. And what we want to do is help each other not to get there. But what help can we give if we don't know each other's weaknesses? If we can't be genuine? If we can't talk about what's real? If we can't say what's really happening in our lives? I know, again, I know pastors who will not even tell people what TV programs they watch because they don't want to give the impression that, oh, well, I don't want them to think less of me because I watch Dancing with the Stars or something. <laughs> That's not what I watch. But I was real bummed that Danny went home. <laughs> We're human. Some of you are going, who's Danny? Not this Danny. <laughs> We're human. This is a part of our lives. And you see... Being real, it brings checks and balances to our lives as well. Because if I am watching things I shouldn't, then yeah, I'm not going to want to talk about it. If I am doing things that I, I shouldn't be doing, then yeah, it brings a check to my life. But I should be able to be real. I should be able to talk openly. I, I, I tell you guys, one of the things that has meant so much to me since Genesis has started, and it's been one of the things that has been important to me, is I can't tell you how many people have come to me and have told me things that they're going through, have told me the struggles that they're having with drugs, with pornography, uh, with whatever it is. And I'm so glad that they feel comfortable to come up to me and say, hey, can we talk? I say, yeah. And they say, well, this is going on in my life, and what do I do? And I'm, I don't have to come down on them. I could say, well, let's move. Let's keep going forward. But I'm glad they feel open, and I hope you guys all do. Boy, this is an open door. Huh? I'm going to get bombarded tonight. <laughs> this, is, this is a place where we can talk to each other about what's real in our lives so that we can move forward because God wants to be genuine. He wants to connect with us and he wants to embrace us through one another. And Jesus is there for you. 
to open your heart to right where you're at in the situation, in the weaknesses and the struggles that you're at. He knows about them. The scripture is full of them. Our lives are full of them, but we're good at covering them up. But God knows them. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed to go to the physician to get healed. That's what we need. And I pray that this would be a community that loves like that, that cares and respects what God wants to do in each of us. That we would have the freedom to talk to one another and it not be gossiped, but it be cared for and nurtured and people would love on them. And that just like Paul did to Eutychus, he went down, he laid on him, embraced him, and he said, he's alive. And I love verse 12 because it says that the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. I pray that that's true for each of you, that you go home alive and greatly comforted, that God loves you, because I don't want you to go home dead. I want you to go home alive with the love of God and the life that God has. And I want you to be real. I want you to be able to have a freedom in the Lord that moves you to a holy life. And we can do this as a community. We encourage each other. We strengthen each other. We help each other because we are able to talk to each other in a real way. Now with that comes the responsibility of being a friend who can be confided in. Nothing worse than having a friend who doesn't take the things that you share in confidence and spreads them out. When my daughter was growing up, and, and junior high girls are the worst at this. Maybe not, but I don't know anything else worse. They're best friends until one of them gets another best friend. And then, boy, they talk on the air. And these cat fights break out, you know, with best friends that they open and they bore their soul out to them, but now they're not best friends, so they gossip everything that they heard. And how tragic. Let's not be like that. Let's, let's take this opportunity, this privilege to be these people who love like God, who care like God, who understand our frailty, our weaknesses, and are real. Because I tell you, what happens is if you're real and you connect to people just like Eutychus who came back to life, there will be life in this community and in this people. Man, I've got friends. I've got brothers and sisters. I, I am stoked to be a part of what God is doing. It is filling my life. It's freeing my life. It's empowering my life. It's changing my life. And boy, I want you to be a part of this. It, it's resurrection. It's power. It, it empowers us all if we will live genuine lives, recognizing that we're in need of that physician, that God wants to touch, heal us, strengthen us, so that we can move forward. So I pray we would do this together. I pray we'd recognize that, yeah, you know, I, I, could, I could get really 
when I see people falling asleep, because it's happened, I could go, man, what's with you? You know? Why are you falling asleep on me? God, get them. Make them fall, you know? <laughs> or I can remember, you know what? I've been there. I've almost had whiplash from falling asleep. I know what that's like. Take it easy, man. Have chill, rest, get your sleep. Hope you wake up refreshed. And I actually remember. I, sorry, this is this. I'll be done right now. I went and heard a study. Well, I went to the beach, and then I went to this church service afterwards. And you know, you go to the beach for the day, and then you go to church at night. Yeah, it's not always good thing. I went there, and I was oh, you know, I was like. I was just still body surfing, you know, and like, oh. And I fell asleep through over half the message. But I did wake up, and the last half was great. I don't know why I told you that, but it was. Uh, maybe you woke up half of the... God still can help and work. And you know what? I was glad to be there. And if, if he was looking at me, he might have said, man, that guy has been asleep the half the best. But the half I heard really meant a lot to me. And, and so, anyway. <laughs> Hope that's encouraging to you guys. Let's be real. Let's be loving. Let's not come down on one another, but let's come to each other so that we can embrace each other and love each other just like Paul did with Eutychus. Let's pray. God, I love how you are so open in the things that you talk about. Father, how you give so many examples of those who are foundational in what we believe and show their weaknesses. And you do that for our encouragement. Not so that we can say it's okay, but so that we can strengthen each other and help each other to move past that, but also that we don't condemn each other for the weakness that is inerrant in us as human beings. And Father, this life that you've called us to live, it is beyond our ability. We need your strength and we need each other to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to help each other, to hold each other accountable, to be there for each other when we do fall. And Lord, I, I pray that this would energize us, that it would help us to see this life that you have for us and that we wouldn't play games we wouldn't play religion we wouldn't come to church and put on a good face and and pretend our family's got it all together when we're struggling and we're having hard times god we're not alone it's happened in scripture i think every family in scripture is dysfunctional in some way but we feel like we failed if, if we see any slight resemblance help us to remember you're not done you're not done with us god and you want to be in the midst of our hurt in the midst of our weakness in the midst of our our frailty in the midst of our trouble with our spouse with our kids with our finances with our own morality you want to be in the middle of this 
You don't want us to shut you out or to pretend. And Lord, just like those in Ephesus who, who confessed their evil deeds, who agreed with you that they were wrong, Lord, you did a work in their midst. Do that in our midst. I pray we would be a community that is genuine, that is real, that is not proud or pretentious or that pretends. Father, I pray that you would be evident in us. Lord, thank you for, again, these encouragements and, and even for this little story, Lord. This young man, Eutychus, who just fell asleep. Lord, that's there for our learning, for our instruction. I pray you would revive us and make us alive. Keep us awake in this spiritual walk that we are in. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name.